0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia.
1: On today's episode, we
2: have Rick. G'day. Lauren. Hello. And day. G'day. good day, no, day. mate.
1: This week we're going to be racing into the world of fast and furiously driven cars and looking at some of the science behind vehicle safety, from airbags to seatbelts to crumple zones to exploding seatbelt pyrotechnic machines.
0: And now we launch into our Launchpad news segment.
1: This week's City of Science is Sydney, Australia, and the reason why we're talking about Sydney this week is because they're hosting, just this week in fact, A conference on vehicle safety called Vehicle Safety, Bringing Up the Rear. And it was actually mostly coordinated by the Neuroscience Research Australia, otherwise known as NURA. And this is really interesting because you don't normally think of neuroscientists and cars.
0: But what connection could there be between neuroscience and cars?
1: Well... When you have a big crash like that, it's actually a really traumatic event and there can be a lot of head injuries. And there can also be a lot of damage um, to the brain. So obviously, when, you, when you're trying to study the impact of these dangerous collisions, the f- people that you actually need to study, aside from the engineers and who crash, crash all these dummies and the physiologists who make the bones and everything safe, you also need people who make sure that the brains aren't damaged from the collisions themselves.
2: So this was a conference about safety... But that's really, right. the end result is trying to um, to negate the effects on the brain due to crashes.
1: Yeah, that's right. And particularly looking at the rear seat of the car because a lot of people's attention has always been focused on the front seat. And we'll talk a bit about the different technologies used in vehicle safety and protection in a minute. But this conference is really trying to address some of the questions around how to improve safety for the passengers in the back seat of the
2: car. So, and, Justin. Yep. Uh, historically, the rear seat has, uh, has been the safest position in the car, but um, there's been some new research here.
1: Yeah, and um, the thing is that in the past, the front seats were the most likely to be hurt because the most deadly accidents were head-on collisions. And in a head-on collision like that, or a front-on collision, you're more likely to be safe if you're in the back seat and not getting crushed into the engine block. As we've improved the safety in the front seats and with airbags and other technologies, the rear seats have hadn't had the same level of improvement. So they're actually starting to become more dangerous. And now they're finding that one in five passengers admitted to hospital following a crash will be in a, sitting in the rear seat. And proportionally more fatalities are actually occurring among rear seat passengers than front seats. And it might not seem like a lot, but it's actually a big shift in what used to be the considered the safest spot in the car.
0: So, what is the new safest spot in the car?
1: It's actually a really interesting question because it also depends a lot on the type of safe technologies inside your car, the type of occupant, and their their health and condition. And, and Justin,
2: is this is this true for all ages?
1: Well, that's right. As not only is it um, not only is your age a really big factor. Uh, if you're younger obviously you're going to be smaller so seatbelt restraints may not be positioned on you correctly as well as the fact that if you're in the front seat you're probably in a worse position for an airbag but also if you're an older person the stra- restraint systems like a seatbelt or an airbag can actually do more damage to you on a weakened, an already weakened frail body so, so it's a lot more difficult than it appears
0: so Justin, does that mean to protect people in like the backs of the cars we're gonna start putting I know pillows in front of us?
1: Well that's effectively <laughs> that's effectively <laughs> what we have with airbags. And it really gets into some of the innovative and interesting technologies that people are trying to undertake to make the back seats of cars safer. But this conference, the vehicle safety seminar, bring up the rear, it's a really interesting conversation about the ways to help paper better outcomes and To really look at that and look at road safety and car safety in particular, we're now going to dive into some of the technologies used to keep our cars safe and keep us safe inside them.
0: So, Justin, you mentioned airbags and probably not just putting in pillows to keep us safe, but what kind of technologies do we have to keep us and our cars safe?
1: The first part of prevention and safety is literally is prevention. If you can stop a crash from happening, then... (laughs) You want to have better outcomes for people. And that's where a lot of work has been undertaken into technologies like ESP, the electronic stability programs, automatic braking systems, and probably even now these city driving smart centers that will break your car if they detect you about to run into another one. All these kind of technologies are around prevention. And they're really, really cool and interesting. A lot of great work, some great robotics, and some great intelligence. But the other side of that equation is. If you have an accident, what can you do to keep the inhabitants safe?
2: And I think I think Justin, you put you uh, focus on a good point there that prevention really is the best cure. But what happens if you do end up in a collision? Um, the one that we're all most familiar with is, I suppose, airbags. Okay, so your three your 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 airbag has three components. It'll have a trigger. It'll have the inflation mechanism, and also it's um, when it deflates. That's also the third part. So obviously. Um, any sensors could be used to detect a collision. So you might be able to use an accelerometer, which measures uh, accelerations, um, an impact sensor or a bumper sensor that you'd have at the front of the car, or even speed sensors that would ch- uh, detect your change in speed. And what this would do would actually uh, trigger the inflation of the bag, and that would be propelled by an expansion of a gas. And so if you could imagine, your, your steering wheel would actually open up from the forces of this gas expansion. So basically, um, like,
1: they, they, they burst the steering wheel cover right? Yeah,
2: there. that's right. So you explode the steering wheel open um, in such a way that it won't damage the person, of course. Um, and you want it to be a sort of a controlled expansion, so it's not too fast that it transfers too much force at once to the, to the participant in the car. And what you want to do is for the, contain, the the gas inside the airbags to actually escape upon impact. So it's like a pillow. When you put your head in a pillow, the air escapes and slows you down slowly, so that force is lessened because the collision is happening over a greater time. And then after the collision occurs, you actually want the gas uh, inside the airbag to go away so you can exit the car safely.
1: Yeah, because I was about to say, like, the, it wouldn't be any good to actually hit a massive trampoline because all that's going to do is push you back <laughs> into your seat even before it's going to bounce between them. So yeah, it's, it's right. actually about cushioning <laughs> you and keeping you safe. And that's why you actually, if you go into a, a car after a airbags have gone off, there's actually a lot of smoke and gas, and that's the gas being released from it.
2: Yep, that's right. So the main principle there is just slowing you down in a safe manner.
1: Yeah, so that that's relying on reducing um, your impulse and negating your momentum in a safer way that does less strain or g-force, if you want to put it in, a, in another fancy term, on your body.
2: So there are actually a number of ways your car can be slowed down during a collision. Airbags aren't the only way. Um, there's, uh, you might be familiar with the, with the term crumple zone. Uh, and what this refers to in your car is the part at the front that during a collision will actually compress. So your car is actually designed to crumple. Um, and what this does is it absorbs some of the energy from the collision and slows the car down. Uh, it slows your acceleration down rather in such a way that less force is transmitted to the person inside of the car. So if your car is remaining rigid and solid, that's not a good thing. So you actually want your car to become deformed during a crash.
0: Is this kind of like how um, when you see some of those amazing crashes, um, for example, on YouTube and stuff, the really amazing ones where they have a whole bunch of, for example, like boats exploding kind of once they've hit something, is because the force is negated and taken away and most of the time the people survive?
2: That's right, that's right. The... What you see um, during the crumpling and the sort of explosion of materials left, right and centre is the force being distributed to the various parts of the car. Now your aim here is to ensure that the force is distributed away from the participants or away from the things you're trying to protect in the car. So if you can get that force transmitted to the body of the car or the bits and pieces that are flying off the car or boat or whatever is crashing, that's actually beneficial.
1: So that's a really interesting look at what technologies we can have in place at the moment to keep us safe. There's another, actually, a couple of really amazing things, and that we have. So we all have seatbelts, and seatbelts came in um, in the 1970s a lot as law mandatory in a lot of places, and even earlier in some other places that were a bit more advanced. And the purpose of them was to keep people secured in an accident. And I don't know if you've ever actually pulled on your seatbelt really fast and like got it stuck, and now it won't go any further, and you're like kind of trying to awkwardly move, lean forward so you can actually turn around. Um, that It's actually the seatbelt trying to save your life because it thinks you're in an accident. And that's called a pretension, which actually then stops stops the seatbelt moving to lock you in place in in an accident. There's some versions of this now that are actually designed to really keep you in place and react more quickly by using pyrotechnics.
0: We've got rockets stopping us from moving?
1: Yeah, that's right. Fireworks in your car? So there's a little bit of firework material, right? Packed into a, c- a cylinder and a piston, just like an airbag has the same sort of stuff. And it, when there's an accident, it actually fires to hold back your seatbelt and keep you in place as well to prevent you from slipping out of it. Which and is
2: obviously, obviously, this this the power techniques are uh, well contained and safely contained, right? Yeah, yeah they are just inside a small tube. You don't actually you,
1: you don't see massive amounts of flame, anything, everything
2: going everywhere. <laughs> I was, other, I was sort of imagining retro rockets on the side of your car. Or, or it's, it's,
1: kind, it's kind of a bit like that, but for seatbelts. The other really cool thing is actually fitting seatbelts with airbags so they actually inflate on you to actually keep you safe. And that's one of the other things that they're looking at, particularly for back seats of the car where you don't have the steering column or the dash to put an airbag into. And these will also help soften the blow and keep you safe. But it really depends, you have to remember when designing an airbag or any type of safety system, even a seatbelt, you have a lot of different people who are going to be sitting in it, big people, small people, children, adults, elderly people, and you want to make sure that you get something that actually works for all of them, which is really, really tough. Make a really powerful airbag at the right angle, it might actually kill a child by breaking, breaking their neck, and a lot of the early airbag experiments did have that danger. They've well designed them now to actually improve upon that, but it just shows a lot of effort and care and research that needs to go into these technologies.
2: And I think that's important, the versatility of of anything that you design here, because you you talk about the different uh, uh, occupants of your car, but you also talk about where they sit. Um, So you'll have your your curtain uh, airbags for the side-on collisions. Um, You'll have your your passenger and also your driver's airbags. But also what's what's being created and developed now is actually uh, pedestrian protection systems, So I think recently, it was either this year or last year, one of the car companies came out with the first uh, pedestrian airbag that would actually deploy upon a collision.
0: And we'll have airbags coming out of the pavements to protect us?
2: Oh, that
1: would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining like a road with like bumpers on it. So even when you go bowling, but instead of them being up all the time, it's like, oh, no, there's there's a car like trying to veer off the road. It's okay. We'll just deploy the bumper airbags.
2: Well, ideally, you could have some sort of detection system, so very similar to red light cameras, but just have some sort of algorithms running uh, from the camera that would detect a collision and then deploy some safety uh, elements, such as your airbags or your bumpers.
1: Okay, that's that, that's pretty incredible. I hadn't heard about that, but one of the other interesting little bits of, I guess, safety technology that's related in a similar fashion is um, there's a video going around about design, and it's a really elegant design article and saying, look, this person here is wearing a bicycle helmet, and this person Yet. here is wearing a bicycle helmet, and it's like you can't see anything, and you're like, what the hell's going on? And it's, it's an invisible bicycle helmet, and I've got a, a spoiler alert if, if you haven't seen this video, but I'm going to ruin it for you. Um, what they're actually doing is a, a scarf. It's effectively a scarf that people are wearing when they're riding their bike, and what happens upon collision is it inflates, just like an airbag, over their head to form an airbag cushion around their head to keep them safe in a collision.
0: There's no way that works.
1: It, no, it does. What? It's an incredible piece of engineering and fashion. So now you, ha- you can get all the benefits of wearing a helmet and in fact, even more benefits because you're wearing like the best kind of helmet, one with airbags and, built
2: in, and they're stylish too.
1: Yeah, no like one they, they notices ha, that you have and no more they hat
0: hair. Fantastic.
1: Exactly. So Zach Braff doesn't need to make his ridiculously tall <laughs> helmet so he can keep his hair safe.
2: Justin, I believe that's a helmet.
1: Sorry, I'm sorry, a helmet. A helmet. One of the other really hilarious stories about um, vehicle safety this week. And there's been a lot of buzz from the drones that Amazon are going to release to deliver us our
2: books. (laughs)
1: Um, And there's a lot of talk about automated cars. And we'll speak about that probably in another episode in smart cars. We've already spoken sometimes about it before, self-driving cars and all of that. But I want to talk about another little part of safety of cars that you may or may not have thought of. There's a really big move in the field of intelligent transport systems. And this is making this traffic network and grid smarter. So like Ricardo was talking about before, having the traffic system respond intelligently to things that are occurring on it, like accidents, breakdowns, or to keep pedestrians and people safe. Another way to do that is to link up all the cars and get them talking to each other so that they know not to run into each other. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen the videos or heard of the game Watch Dogs, which is coming out. Um, It's a computer game set in around the years 2025, and it involves all this fancy, complicated, interesting work. But imagine GTA crossed with The Matrix. You basically have what Watch Dogs is about. A hacker who's able to control everything around him from traffic lights to road safety systems Two cars and cause all kinds of crazy accidents to evade the
2: cops. And I I think this sort of networked city or this smart city is, I think, something that would be working towards in the next, either the next decade or the next uh, coming decades, Um, getting getting everything networked up, so it could be controlled either by, I suppose, a central uh, management system where you'd have people monitoring it, or going the other way and just making everything automatic and making an autonomous system to make a lot of the decisions. So where you would route cars based on crashes on some of the arterial roads, do you put people down some side roads um, and some things like that.
1: Yeah, and that's really, really interesting because we've spoken before in other episodes of LaGrange Point about smart cities, especially work done by IBM and a lot of other companies who work on integrating all those kind of information and making those decisions like Ricardo was talking about. But there's a subtler side to the safety aspect there. And this was actually a question raised by um, U.S.-United States Senator Ed Markey, um, who has sent a letter to the 20 major auto manufacturers. And he's asked them about privacy protections, safeguards against cyber attacks in vehicles. So you think about we've stuck all these computers and technologies into cars to now make them all work and link up together. But imagine if something hacked those cars so there's all these electrical control units inside cars they're all connected on these little networks like it's a mini internet running inside your car to run all these systems and now we're talking about linking up cars to other cars what if someone was able to get into that and cause havoc
2: so if my car got a virus or a trojan
1: exactly to actually you know damage your car remotely or just make random havoc on the network
2: Does this mean I'm going to have to buy a Norton subscription for my car, Justin?
1: It certainly might be possible. And that's why um, the the U.S. Senator is actually really interested in exploring that to make sure whilst we're setting up technologies like this now, we don't open ourselves up to in the future a whole bunch of scary issues that we would have never have thought about. I I can tell you now when we invented the Internet, those many, many decades ago, we did not worry about spam, Trojans
2: and – Spamble, Denial of service is. tax. Exactly. <laughs> and I think this is, a, this is a really good thought to have before we start networking. Where we are at the moment is cars, standalone alone machines, being standalone computers essentially. But the moment that you start networking them and you start allowing them to communicate, the potential for a bigger sort of disaster to occur grows. If it was just one, one computer or one car it wouldn't be such a big problem. You could do damage until that one car stopped working or that one user got fed up their car and got rid of their car. But if you had a system that you could infiltrate, you could potentially target a lot of end users at once. Yeah. So I think that's something we should be looking at before we start networking, as as you say, Justin.
1: And, and it and it's really goes to show that You need to consider your unintended consequences, especially in car safety. When we put in seat belts, there are a lot of unintended consequences, so we design better ones. Same things with airbags, and if we make smarter, linked-up, auto-connected cars to manage our traffic and our systems better, we also need to consider what other things might happen in that first run until we can adapt and grow. So it's a never-ending search for perfection to reduce risk and save lives.
0: This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point.
1: This week's episode, we have been focusing on vehicle safety, looking at some of the fantastic technology from airbags to seatbelts to crumple zones to exploding seatbelt pyrotechnic machines. Hopefully, we'll find out what it takes to keep our cars safe now and into the future.
0: Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.